this is a good one. This is a really good one, Max. You're going to like this one. Number 31. You, you know anybody who used to play, use that number? Anybody come to mind? <laughs> All day. <laughs> All day. The big girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. All right, who wore it better? That's the name of this episode, Cedric Maxwell podcast episode. Cedric Maxwell's here, of course. I am Joe Sway Pavone. We talked about this article from Steve Buckley of The Athletic about uh, iconic numbers in the city of Boston. And I picked out six of the toughest numbers to 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 pin for one player right max i mean there's a couple of there's the way we're doing it is there's two players right boston sports they both wore the same number but which one are you going to crown as the king of that number so i got a list of numbers here and uh, we're going to go through them one by one max i can't wait to hear which ones you pick yeah yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, Steve Buckley, uh, you know, the, the reporter for, I think, The Athletic. Yep, The Athletic. Uh, he's doing, he did a, a real good article on that. But he went from, we're just going to do six numbers. He went from one, from double zero uh, all the way to, to 99. 99. Yeah, that's right. But, so we're going to give a kind of abbreviated version of that. Right. I picked out the six of my favorite, or at least we both talked about mm-hmm. it. And we're like, these are, these are really, really tough to choose. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, our, our Boston fan base crowd will absolutely agree with this. So, all right, let's get it started. Number one, uh, or I should say number five is our first one, all right? Number five, who do you think of right away? For me, I grew up uh, seeing both of these guys, but... The first name I thought of was, was Kevin Garnett. And, but then another name came right after that, and that's Nomar Garcia-Para of the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, he was a brilliant player. I mean, uh, he was he was that guy with the Red Sox for the longest time, and you just didn't think that uh, he could really be replaced. Mm-hmm. And uh, you think about the way he played and, you know, uh, you know the gyrations he went through when he went to the plate. And, if I was a baseball pitcher, I would have probably threw at him. Like, Damn, man, what you doing? Man, you you going through this? You got to put your socks, your spikes, your kicks down. You? Good you God, man! Well, you do if it's raining? Is it is sunshine? You have a shit. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he Your was. Love that yeah, shit. they they did. They they loved I did. it. I liked it. But I still have to go with uh, Kevin Garnett because he changed the culture of that Boston Celtics team. He changed Paul Pierce. He changed Ray. He changed the culture of of the Celtics during his particular time. Mm-hmm. He put an imprint on this team as great as all the players who've been around. He put an imprint on a, a particular era, and this mm-hmm. was the Garnett Pierce Ray Allen era. And uh, but uh, the big fellow, the the big ticket, uh, he would get my my vote for for that particular number is number, number five. five. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got to agree with you, Max. I, I just think, like you said, he he changed the culture here in the city. Uh, he also embodied what this city stands for in terms of just giving it all you got. That's just KG in a nutshell. And he also held his teammates accountable, which yeah. I think obviously makes him not only one a great leader, but makes him someone that you know, okay, everyone's got to be on the same page as this one. Like that's literally how. The defense was for Doc Rivers and those guys, and he was it was all Kevin Garnett. Well, he did. He, he personified that. Yeah, he did. He made he made a bunch of guys some money. Rondo being one of those guys made Rondo better, uh, Perk better. He, you go down the line. He changed Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce's attitude. He became a better player mm-hmm. when Kevin Garnett got here. 
And Kevin was the thing I loved about him is he did his job. Bill Belichick would love him. He did his job. He didn't if, if he was like he deferred to Paul Pierce if it came to on the offensive end or Ray Allen for the shot. Not that he couldn't make it, mm-hmm. but he just said, you know, that's that's their particular role and that's what that's what they do. Right. And I will defer to that. And, and uh, he was he, he's been he's brilliant. The ticket is has been brilliant. This one's close though. Don't get me don't get me wrong. I mean, we both agree that we're, you know we're going with KG here. But Nomar, I mean, for a while or for a little while before the Red Sox were kind of to, before they went over the hump and was a, a, a legit contender to to win the World Series, Nomar was the reason why you saw them on national TV a lot. You know, Nomar had that exciting uh, aspect, that, that excitement on both ends. You know, as a as a shortstop and of course as a hitter. And um, to me, it was Nomar, and then came uh, Pedro, and then Manny, and then, you know, of course, the rest is history. And unfortunately, Nomar did get traded in 04. Yeah. But without Nomar, though, without getting those defensive guys like Menkevich, you know, the guys that came out of that trade, uh, Orlando Cabrera, maybe the Red Sox don't win a title. I don't know. So I, I feel like maybe because Nomar, sure, he didn't, wasn't there to see the, to, to the end. But he had a lot to do with. Yeah, I don't. 04. I don't. That we're we're not shortchanging him, but I think right. we'll we'll still agree that Kevin Garnett is the number that we think about when you think about number five. Right, like that's the first thing I thought yeah, of. Man. All right, next up we got number eleven. This one's a really good one too, man. We got two uh, two two Patriots players here. We got Julian Edelman, and we got Drew Bledsoe for you youngins out there. Before Tom Brady. It was a bad-ass dude named Drew Bledsoe, man. I was a big Drew Bledsoe guy. Bledsoe was a bad boy. And I think that, you know, as you said, he he embodied what that team was like until he got knocked out. And then Brady stepped in and never gave that job back mm-hmm. and was there for the next, what, 20 years or whatever it is. Um, I still think that right now, Elliman's going to get my vote because he was the MVP yeah. in the Super Bowl. Right. And he won multiple Super Bowls. Um, Blesso won one, but Blesso wasn't the starting quarterback. That's right. Yep. So um, yeah. I just still believe that Edelman, with that number 11, to me, I think is 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 that guy. Yeah, and I think I agree with you for, for starters. But, but also, I, I want to also bring up, it's easy to forget... Um, the Steelers game, the AFC Championship game, when he came back in. To this day, man, I don't think Brady was that hurt, man. To this day, I feel like Brady was like, why don't you go get a couple snaps in there? Get a couple touchdowns. You've been doing this for years. You deserve this. You've been working your ass off. Because he was healthy, remember? he Once he was healthy to play, the big debate was, do you give him the job back or do you stick with Tom Brady? Obviously, Well, that that was true. I stuck I, with Tom Brady. Yeah, I remember that was the uh, question. And all the veterans assumed that it was going to be Bledsoe mm-hmm. was going to be the guy getting the call. Right. And Bledsoe and and Tom Brady told the veterans like, nah, I, that's my job now. Yep. I'm I'm not giving that job up. And yep. he said, I'll be I'll be the man. And mm-hmm. sh- sure enough, he he has been the he was the man. But I, I'm going to have to go. Uh, you know, looking at uh, Elliman as number number eleven. Would you say he's one of uh, Tom Brady's best receivers of all time, or maybe the best receiver of all time? I think the best. Who hard to it's say? Hard to pass that. over Moss, but you have to, hard to pass you over Moss. Moss was Moss is dynamic, and yeah. I don't think Edelman is a uh, very different player. He's he's a different player. Uh, he's a scant bag. He gets you tough yards, but Randy Moss got the spectacular. 
and you know you think about throwing up the moss and moss just putting that hand up and it was it was off to the races. You just worry about it. You just throw it up there. Yeah. So so I, I just I just think those guys are two different. So I I would say uh, Randy Moss was a probably the best receiver I think that Tom Brady ever had. Okay. But All right, that's we'll go with that other number. We'll, we'll go with Edelman. All right. Yeah. So Edelman gets that one. Next up, number fourteen. Now we got Bob Cousy of the Celtics, and we have Jim Rice of the Red Sox. Which one you picking? Those are iconic guys, man, uh, that you think about and you go, wow. I, and we have to go with Kuzi. Multiple championships, changed the way the game was played on the offensive end. Jim Rice was dynamic, a Hall of Famer. Uh, but I still think that uh, Bob Kuzi was that guy. And Jim Rice was a, another guy for the longest time. Probably would have been a better hitter if he wore glasses. He found out later on that... You know, he had some problems with his eyes, and he was hitting hitting the ball out the park with you know without glasses. Then you remember, all of a sudden he came, he had glasses on when he went up to the plate, and that he was still bopping them out. But uh, Bob Cousy would get my vote for that one. Okay, agreed. Same. Um, someone who, someone who I would say sort of revolutionized the point guard position, right? At least in that time, right? Mm-hmm. The way he used to handle the ball he- and the way he. You know, yeah, number I'm gonna have to think about, and I don't even know, and this is completely different. But I keep thinking about um, Fred Lynn, the number what Fred Lynn, the number he wore, because they they are the two guys to me that came in together. Mm-hmm. It was Lynn and Rice; those were those two guys. You're going, oh my God, what a combination those two guys had that you think about oh that you know guys hit with power and Fred Lynn every time you look around he's making these fantastic you know catches in center field that were crazy so yeah but I still think Bob Cousy getting back to our subject Bob Cousy was that guy looks like Lynn was number 19 so wow yeah this isn't easy I I give a lot of uh, props to to, to Buckley for for putting this together, man. Double zero through ninety nine. Imagine how much time that was. Yeah, that was some those some good interesting numbers. Yeah, definitely. All right, next up, what we got here? We have. All right, next up, number twenty four, Max. I got Ty Law of the Patriots, or Manny Ramirez of the Red Sox. Now, don't forget, number twenty four is a very popular number. Sam Jones of the Celtics. His number is retired. Number twenty four, and also. People sleep on Dwight Evans. Dwight Evans wore number 24 for a long time in the outfield for the Red Sox. Dwight Evans was unbelievable in the outfield. So I had he, to mention all four of those guys. He he roamed. He he roamed. But uh, it's just hard to pick against Sam Jones. Not because I'm a basketball player, but because he was such an iconic shooter. He's one. Bill Russell will tell you even today that Sam Jones is the greatest shooter he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played at uh, North Carolina. He came out of North Carolina Central University in Durham. My mom went to school with him at North Carolina Central during really? that time. She played basketball too. So, uh, yeah, Sam Jones would have to be the name that uh, I think I'd pick before anybody else. I'm going Manny. I'm going to go Manny Ramirez. I'm going to go Manny. What, what are you what are you making that face for? I'm not People saying can't see the look on your face right now. He's not David Ortiz. I'm not saying Come anything. On, man. I didn't say anything. I'm just going along with what you're saying. I'm just, but I just don't, you know, 
Yo, why do Man, I get the, hold on, hold on. Why do I get the feeling that you, you like slept on that era of Red Sox baseball? I don't, I don't get I it. Like, did you, were you not watching baseball back then? I didn't, you stopped? I, I didn't sleep on the era, and I, I realized Manny has been was iconic. I mean, the fact I think I was um, there's there's a GM over here, at Equinox now, and I remember being over there one time, and Manny lived over here someplace in in uh, the Four Seasons, the uh, the hotel over here, and. Uh, I'd see him from time to time, and they're you know just uh, working out with weights and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. But you, but Manny, you would always get that thing. Well, just Manny being Manny. Yeah, he's a little controversial. <laughs> he's a little controversial. But you can't say that what he was doing on the field was controversial. Well, not, maybe not all the time, but <laughs> he was a little controversial on the field as well. But man, that swing, that era, yeah. like you don't get the one-two punch. You don't get Ortiz. Yeah. Manny combo without Manny starting things off with that signing. I mean, that was a huge sign for the Red Sox in 2000. You know, an unheard of contract at that time. And it really got the ball rolling. You got Manny, oh, excuse me, you had Pedro signed for a couple of years. You still had Nomar there. You got Manny. And it's really got the ball rolling. Well, here's the thing you wonder about, you know, and we'll get get around to it, but I'm going to ask you a baseball question in a minute. How did Minnesota let go of David Ortiz? I know. I know. Well, he'd been in the farm system for a couple yeah. of years. They brought him up, and he just wasn't, you know, they just didn't see it. And you know what? Speaking of, you know, I'm glad I'm glad you brought this up. Manny Ramirez was one of the key guys that was reaching out to the upper management saying, yo, I play ball with this dude in the Dominican League, you know, during the offseason, and you need to sign him and sign him quick because someone's going to get this guy. This guy can hit. Trust me on this one. So they brought him in. He played first, and he was an off-the-bench guy up until about mid I want to say about mid 2003, so this is the year before they actually won it. That's when he was a permanent uh, starter. Okay, let's not get carried away. (laughs) You you get you get your eyes get glazed over as soon as you start talking about David Ortiz. Oh my God! Really, we we, let's get back to where we were. I'm not going to give you a biography, you know what I mean? You asked for you you asked the question. We're going to get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So that's that's the top spot, Sam Jones. I got to go with Sam Jones again, the best shooter Bill Russell ever ever uh, played with. And uh, how, how many championships did did he get? Eight, probably something like that. Seven to eight championships. So if you think about world championships, he has he has more world championships than 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 Manny and Ortiz together. So I, I just think I'm, I'm going to go with that name, Sam Jones. Ten championships. Well, Damn. okay, okay. I'm going to stick with my millennial answer. Right? Okay. I'm holding on to it. But you got that one. You got that one. This episode of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast is brought to you by Masterclass. Masterclass lets you learn from the best with exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft. You can learn the art of negotiating with Chris Ross or take humor and personal essays with David Sedaris. Two courses that certainly helped me in my career as a journalist. And right now, Masterclass can help you. They offer a wide variety of topics, including over 75 classes like game design and investigative journalism, to name a few. It's also easy. Access to your lessons from your phone. Take advantage of the downloadable guides and books provided by Masterclass. And right now, for users who aren't satisfied with Masterclass, they're offering a 30-day money-back guarantee on the annual all-access pass. I highly recommend you check this out. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass. And as a listener of the Cedric Maxwell podcast, you get 15% off your annual 
all access pass. Go to masterclass.com slash CLNS. That's masterclass.com slash CLNS for 15% off of Masterclass. All right. Next up. Uh, this is a good one. This is a really good one. Max, you're going to like this one. Number 31. You, you know anybody who used to play, use that number? Anybody come to mind? <laughs> All day. <laughs> All day. <laughs> Max beating his chest, literally. <laughs> number 31, we got Cedric Maxwell, my co-host. Uh, played for the Celtics, of course. And you got John Lester of the Red Sox. This is a tough one. John Lester was bad. Yeah. But John Lester wasn't no Cedric Maxwell. <laughs> That's all I'll say. John Lester, you know, speedy, threw the great pitch, you know, left-handed. If he stayed in Boston, he'd have a stronger case here. It's a possibility. But he ended up winning with the the Cubs, Mm -hmm. you know, winning World Series with the Cubs. So... You know, I, I I'm gonna go with me, me, and me again <laughs> on that one. I don't mean to I'm shocked. not I'm not shocked. not uh, not the kick at him or whatever, but to win multiple championships, to be a Finals MVP. Hey, hey, Lester got two. Lester got two, but you got that though. Was he the Finals MVP? No, he wasn't. Okay, make <laughs> sure if I hear that right. Which people didn't realize, I led the league in field goal percentage twice. Okay. The first forward ever to do it in the history of the NBA. Stunt on the max. There you go. You I'm don't just, usually talk about yourself like that. I'm just like giving you some facts. Like that's this. just giving you some facts Did about. You look this up. No, that's just that's just having to be history. And I still hold a couple of Celtic records right now with field goal percentage after 30, 30 40 years. Yeah, yeah. So. So yeah, I have a lasting memory there, uh, and I and well, and just just to put uh, you know asterisk to it, let's put a little another punctuation to it. Very good. What you got? John Lester's number is is it retired out there? It is not. Okay, it is okay. Not. And my number is it's in the rafters. Okay, all right. Okay, <laughs> in the rest. Well, we better dust that thing, man. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Next time. We'll- I think hey, you know see, what? See a crowded, a crowded TD Garden. Who you know, knows? it would have been interesting. We were the Celtics were trying to get uh, Reggie Miller to come out of retirement. That's right. Yeah, I remember and that. myself and Reggie, we kept talking. I, every time I see him, like I said, "Dude, I'll pull it down. I'll take it down. You you can work thirty one." <laughs> He's like, "No, no, man. You know, you deserve to have." I said, "Dude, I don't mind." <laughs> because been, there was another time. I think it that happened. Been, that would have been weird. I think, and, I mean, but that was really think about it. There was one number that like that was tired. It was uh, Jugger Jim Luskatov. His name is the only name out there because his number was retired. And, so, and I think it was it was either I want to say maybe it was Cowens or somebody in the wearing that number. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so they put his name up there. So if you go to the you go to the garden, you see all these retired numbers, and all of a sudden you see Luskatov. Yeah, right. It's like, wow, why, why is that different? That's why it's different. As you know by now, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health by starting Awaken 180 Weight Loss. I've already dropped about 18 pounds, and I'm not the only one. Kendrick Perkins is down about 30 pounds. And we're just two of 11,000 who found the solution for weight loss. No gym, no medication, no tricks, or gimmicks. Awaken 180, a combination of science, nutrition, and expert one-on-one coaching. 
if you have weight to lose, I recommend you call Paige and her team. You'll lose weight starting the first week and each and every week until you get to your ideal weight. Awaken 186 locations, but during this lockdown, they're starting clients virtually. The same program from the comforts of your home. Simply log in to awaken180weightloss.com. Fill out the form online and start your weight loss transformation. Awaken 180 Weight Loss, the official weight loss program for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, man, people are uh, particular with their numbers, man. You know, there's uh, actually a, a story that recently came out about, uh, about um, it was Tatum. And, yeah, it was about Jason Tatum when he was, or he recently tweeted this out. When he was uh, at Duke, he wanted to wear, he's a big number 22. That's been his number ever since he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And that number's retired by Jay, that's Jay Williams' number from when he was in the, with the, you know, playing at Duke. Obviously, his career was cut yeah. short. He yeah. had a big, you know, motorcycle accident. But uh, he asked him, he said, hey, man, you mind if you, can I use your number? Do you mind? And he was like, uh, yeah, man, I do. You can't use my number. Wow. So Tatum started using number zero, and it's, he's stuck with it ever since. Wow. Yeah, so that's why Didn't he wears number that. zero. Didn't know that. I mean, you, I'll go even further. You talk about the 31. The 31 was when I first got here uh, in college. My number, because I love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, my number in college was number 33. Mm-hmm. So when I got to the Celtics, um, 33 wasn't available then. We had a uh, Steve Gaversky was wearing it, and I wanted that number, but he they hadn't cut him. And then they cut him. They asked me they want did I want that number? And then I had number 30. And the thing was, I had number 30, but 30 ML Carr came to the Celtics, and he asked me could he get that number. So he wanted and 30. He wanted 30, and that's when I went to number 31. You never thought about going to 33. I, you know, that I was thought the one year you could do it. Right? I that thought about it for a minute, uh, but then I had thirty, and I was I was comfortable with the number, and I probably wouldn't have changed that number if, in fact, ML Carr hadn't come to the Celtics and he wore the number thirty when he's in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So he wanted that number and asked me, and I was like, "Hey, sure, no problem." Were you ever superstitious? Did you have no. something that you had to do? Before no. The only no. thing I did before a game was uh, people would always just ask me, why do you leave before the national anthem? I said, because what I did, I used to go to the bathroom. That was my time was because thing, yeah. I had I had this nervousness about me. And I didn't want to, I guess, insult anybody by being jittery or mm-hmm. moving around yeah. uh, during the national anthem. So I used to remove myself from the arena and go to the bathroom during that time. When would that go away? As soon as the game started? As soon as the game started, it was yeah. fine. But I just needed, I, I wanted to go to the bathroom and hear the national anthem once it ended. And even today, I do the same thing yeah. when I, as a uh, as a broadcaster. In most, arena, most arenas now, if you see me, I'm not at my station because normally I have walked out yeah. before the national anthem is played. And then I'll walk back in as soon as it's over. And it's nothing to do with, I don't like the anthem. It's just a nervous energy and a habit that I had when I was a player. You're not taking a knee or anything? No, no, no. <laughs> right. not going there. No, I remember you sometimes uh, before the games you would ask, National Anthem on? Like, that was kind of like your cue to kind of start warming up or do well, what, there, you, do there, what you had to do. There, to get, there, was, there was a fan one time about uh, a year or two ago. 
who came up to me and I think I was over in um, Cambridge and this guy walked up and he said, I just want to ask you a question. I was like, what's the question? He said, why, are, are, you, uh, are you Muslim? I was like, what do you mean? I'm a, he said, because you don't stay for the national anthem. Mm-hmm. I said, no. I said, there's nothing to do with that. I said, this is why I had, ex- I explained it to him. I took my time, explained it to him. And I guess he said, hmm, oh, okay. But he was making a big deal of it. Yeah. And it, there was no big deal to be made at all. He was reluctant to buy it. But yeah, it yeah, I didn't want to buy that one. All right, last one. The best one. I saved the best for last, like we always do here. Number 34. I'm just going to say that. Number 34. Paul Pierce. Of course. Number 34. Boston fans. Number 34. Who's who, Besides Paul Pierce, who? David Ortiz. Paul Pierce. And David Ortiz. Our iconic Paul Pierce. Can you think of two bigger icons? I guess Brady's in there too, but the last, I don't know, 20 years? That wore the same number? You you probably know. I can't think about Brady. Those would be the numbers you think about over the years that you would say Brady, Ortiz. Now, what other number you think you might say? You saw a lot of Garnett, but it was pretty much Brady. In the past 20 years, I'd say Brady Brady and Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce and Ortiz. Yeah. I mean, I still see uh, number 34 all around the country. Right. And even when, even go, yeah. when you go to the Garden, people still run yeah, Paul Pierce. Yeah, you know, you'll see that almost any place you and go he, in the country. You'll see a Paul Pierce jersey. Right. He hasn't played yeah. in the in seven yeah. years. Yeah. And I think, it's, it, to me, is the coolest thing. And I've, you know, because there's not a lot of people who have my jersey. Mm-hmm. But when I see it, I think it's one of the coolest things when somebody is repping your jersey and walking up to you. It's like, damn, that is really, you know, that's really, really a cool thing. And, and during my particular era, that wasn't, that just wasn't even thought of. People didn't wear 33, Larry Bird's number, because those throwbacks didn't come in until that particular mm-hmm. time that they had start people start wearing the throwback jerseys. Right. So it the probably hard, yeah. Hardwood, hardwood class. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it would have been a little different of me seeing a lot more of my jersey of uh, my jersey numbers with my name on it if it had been that time. If it had been, you know, now and not then or then and not now. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So who you picking? Which one you got? My guy go with Pierce. Why you gotta say it like that, man? Like, I gotta go with Pierce. That's close. It's it's close. I mean, I don't. You know, you stay hating on my boy. How, how can well, how can how can I be hating your boy if I got if on on the table? <laughs> Max is Max got the uh, the the David Ortiz cookbook. Hey, over here. David Ortiz cooking cook, with the pros. Cooking with the pros. I'm in this book, but David Ortiz yeah, that's is what you have, exactly. David Ortiz is the headliner. You look at the guys he had up here, Russell. These guys up here he's had on, on this book, and you're going, man, this thing is so cool. When you think about Pedro, all these guys who gave up, but uh, man, that's it's it's it's, it's close. It's close, the Max. This city would still be talking about the curse of Bambino. The curse of the Bambino if it wasn't for David Ortiz. We'd be what? That would make it that'd make it a hundred years, Max. My CD. <laughs> what are you talking about? My CD. Yeah, it's gonna be a- you know, he's my CD. You, yes. You're talking that's about how, my that's CD. How big he was the CD right? <laughs> that alone closes the gap. <laughs> but I think this I look, CD but I, I tell you what, still you know crying what? about a championship, isn't a World it, Series championship. But isn't it 
ironic that something else we don't talk about? Both guys were almost killed. Both guys, Ooh. both guys were. Paul Pierce was stabbed multiple times. Mm-hmm. David Ortiz was shot in the back. Yeah, that's true. I don't think anybody has really made that connection yeah. between those two players, and you're going, "Wow!" Yeah. Even more of a connection when you think about what they went through. Right. Paul Pierce, even more so, it happened during the prime of his career. Right. David Ortiz, they have him. He had finished playing already. But Paul Pierce, that's another thing that I think I give him the props for is that he went through this, getting stabbed, and came out of that and, you know, became the player, you know. And and I remember people for a long time talking about trading Paul Pierce. And Paul Pierce can't do this. And Paul isn't that. And he wasn't this. He wasn't. And Paul Pierce was just as much a part of that championship era as Garnett and Allen. So. So that's why I think I'd go with Paul Pierce before, you know, even I go before Big Poppy. Yeah, because, you know, I love Paul's story. Obviously, the underdog story. Not you know, People didn't expect a lot from him. I mean, shit, from the beginning, right? He was projected to be a number two uh, overall pick. He slides all the way down to 10 for the Celtics to pick him. So he sort of had a chip on his shoulder from the beginning. The Celtics were looking at the draft board thinking, like, what is wrong with Pierce? Right. Is there something right. wrong here? And Paul Pierce came back and said, I'm going to make people pay for not picking me. He remembers exactly which team was uh, selected to pick, who got selected. He used to yell out the players' names, like Track the Trailer, uh, Larry Hughes, Michael Candy, the number one overall pick that year. Like, Can you imagine being Paul? So I love that, obviously, about Paul, that story, that energy. But then also, like you said, two, three years into his thing, ah, that's it, this guy's not it. They yeah. need to shut this thing down, go get another superstar, or build to the draft again, trade it away, Paul. They was yo, they were saying a lot of And there was there was a lot Paul Pierce they was saying a lot of stuff. Paul, Paul Pierce was the selfish player. He could get his numbers, mm-hmm. he could score, but he wasn't a winner. Right. And that wasn't true. Right. From the day Paul Pierce stepped on the floor, Paul Pierce was a winner. And you remember he for a while he was like leading the league in steals. Right. He was an unreal. If, if not, he was top his, three. His, his rookie yeah. year was was crazy watching him play. And you think of the combination, him and Antoine Walker together, Man. just like you're talking about Manny yep. and, and Big Poppy together. That as that was the same kind of the same kind of vibe you think about right, of definitely. an excitement. Definitely. In 02, after Shaq and Kobe, no other duo averaged more points in those Yeah, two. they were crazy. Yeah. They were crazy. You know what, man? Also, I, I don't forget what I used to hear in the city, man. Well, Paul Pierce is a thug. He's a yeah. bad guy. Yeah. He goes out and just, you know, whatever he wants. And it's like, come on, man. Every player has to go through that maturation phase. Yeah. And I, I just think that's what Paul I don't think doing. every player does. I think that in Paul's case, it was so out there. He would go in clubs. He would big time. He would do these things. And then when he got stabbed, he grew up. Mm-hmm. He grew up and he got married. He took more responsibility and, and he became the captain of this team. He took more responsibility. That's why I think I'm going to go with Paul Pierce over David Ortiz. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to do the same thing, man. I don't know. I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm flipping right now because in the beginning I was thinking Ortiz, but then I'm thinking about Paul's story before we started recording, and I'm just like, you know what, man? That just embodies everything I love about sports, man. That underdog story that turns something into nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you know what else? Another thing I wanted to bring up, when KG came and Ray Allen came, Paul was still leading the team scoring. Paul was still the guy to get the ball at the end of the games. And it was just like, okay, now, from a national standpoint, everyone's seeing what I've been seeing since day one. Like, Paul was always that clutch guy, one of the top, most clutch guys you've ever seen. 
uh, you know, of recent history. Well, you think of it, you like you said, you could think another thing that comes up too is who are your villains? In Ortiz's case, his villains were the Yankees. The Yankees yeah. Paul Pierce's villains were a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Kobe. LeBron, two of the best players in the league, two two best players ever played the game. And he period. Had to guard those guys. Yes. He had so to defend them. So that's why I'm thinking that even with that, and that's another thing you talk about. David Ortiz, great offensive player, defense. Hey man, he didn't make up the DH position. All right. I just, DH, look, all right? I'm just saying. We're just saying <laughs> offense, defense, and and I'm not. Killing the poppy. No, I got, you. got the man's book here in my on my uh my table here in my living room. So I, I can't I can't cannot say right. you know bad things about him. No, I got you. Yeah. No, man, you're right. Yeah. You know, I'll never forget that so the it's like two weeks I think after they won the championship. I think Paul was overseas somewhere and uh some reporter over there goes, Hey hey Paul man, who's the this this is ongoing debate, you know, I wanna ask you what you think about it. He's like, Yeah, what's going on? He's like, Man, who Who's the best player in the NBA? Is it Kobe Bryant or is it LeBron James? And Paul Pierce goes, I'm the best player in the NBA. Whoa. I just beat those guys. <laughs> Classic. 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 Paul Pierce. Come on, man. When you're on top of the hill, you got to stun. There you go. You got to stun. Because you don't forget those moments where everyone there doubted you, you. There you go. I love there that about Paul. Man. Yeah. All right. That's it. There you go. Those are the toughest ones. And you know what, guys? If you have another one that you think we missed or, or a really good one that you want us to uh, to talk about, let us know. Hit us up on, on Twitter, of course. You can inbox us as well or tweet at us. Tweet at Max. Uh, you can tweet at me you know, as well, Joe Sway, uh, on Twitter. Max, how you been? Everything good? Everything's good, bro. Getting through this uh, quarantine life? Trying to just sit in the house. And you and I are probably maybe about five and a, five and a half feet <laughs> away from each other. But we far enough <laughs> yeah, exactly. that uh, you know we think we're cool right now. Yeah, but uh, You're one of the few people I've seen in the last few yeah, weeks. Man. I yeah. look forward to every time we do this. Yeah, yeah. 